This is Season 1, Episode 7 of the Money Talks, Money Matters podcast featuring Sanan Kasim, the man, the myth, the legend. He's doing everything, and um, it's it's honestly great to have you on, and I would love just to, for you to introduce yourself a little bit. Absolutely. First of all, Sean, Darian, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited to be here. For your viewers, my name is Sanan Kasim. I'm the founder of a global nonprofit called the Kasim Legacy Foundation. We work in over five countries to create a sustainable and pluralistic world. I'm also the founder and chief executive officer of a full-fledged marketing agency called the Limitless Marketing Group. And our mission there is to help businesses craft a digital marketing strategy that will dominate their industry and keep them at the cutting edge of the marketplace. I'm also a top 10 extemporaneous speaker in the country. I'm in the podcast space myself. Um, The All-American Film Festival named me the number one high school podcaster in the world. Uh, I'm involved civically in my community. I'm a program and internship coordinator to my state representative. Uh, I interned for my local mayor. uh, And I think it's so important to stay civically engaged and community-centered in all of the organizations and platforms we're a part of. And I'm a student at NSU University School. I'm class president over there, key club president. One of the reasons I'm excited to be here today is to see how our platforms can work together, how we can build a partnership and a connection, and I'm super excited to be here. I can't thank you enough for having me on. Thank you. Well, I mean, like, like the first question I want to ask is, again, since you're doing all, like, all these things, like the number one thing that people don't have nowadays is like time management. And I think that is key and in, in, in just it's, it's the foundation to every single business. And since everything you're doing, how do you kind of run your time? How do you make your schedule? Time management is critical. That's a great point. One of the things that I follow is the 5 a.m. rule. It's a book by Robin Sherma. Uh, highly recommend it. And the discipline is to wake up every day at 5 a.m. And then go by the 20-20-20 rule, which is you spend the first 20 minutes of your day working out, the next 20 minutes reading or doing something to learn and the last 20 minutes to reflect. It could be meditating. It could be writing down your goals every day. That's one thing also that I do. I write down my goals every single day. I wake up, write down my goals. Before I go to bed, write down my goals. Because I believe that people who have goals end up using people who don't have goals. And those are the people that work for the people who have goals, right? So it's all of those little things that keep you time-centered and allow you to be managing the time the best. To answer your question more specifically, of course, I have a schedule every day that I go based off of. I think that's so important, making sure that you fill up your calendar with as many productive things as possible that align with your goals. And then just following certain disciplines every day that keep you motivated. Because the biggest thing is motivation, right? Because if you're going to manage your time correctly, if you're going to expect others to manage their time correctly, then you have to be motivated to do so. But what's more important than motivation is discipline. Discipline is forever. Motivation can be temporary. Mm. So by establishing those disciplines, anybody can have the best time management. I don't think anyone is lazy. I don't believe in that. I think that we're clouded by either too much information coming our way or we're just not having the right goals that help us motivate ourselves to accomplish those goals and keep ourselves on task. That's what I think it is. Drop some bombs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's great. You were starting like that. All right. This is the good morning to everyone. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And uh, would you say you have a decent balance and your lifestyle gives you motivation on top of the discipline? So, yes. And I think it's great that you use the word balance because I think that that word is thrown a lot around. I like to look at it not as balance. I like to look at it as dominate in every single category. So if I have all of these different categories that I'm working on in a day, I have my nonprofit, I have my marketing agency, I've got working out, I've got um, other ventures that I'm a part of, I've got school or whatever else, instead of trying to balance and juggle all of it, because I will tell you, everybody does have the same amount of time in a day, but who's going to maximize and optimize on that time? That's the key. And... I think that if you can learn to just dominate in all of the different areas instead of trying to juggle and balance everything to keep yourself afloat, it's two different mindsets completely. Wow, that's amazing. So would you say that, what what do you spend most time on? And also, do you have any leisure time? Do you like to relax? Do you like to, like, how do you um, keep the downtime? 
Well, I, I hear you. I, I'm a big believer in work hard, play hard. Yeah. So, you know, I work very hard. I, I, mean, I know both of you work very hard at what you do also between podcasting, between real estate, between you know, photography and everything else. Um, it's the same for me. It's, it's where I put in a lot of energy. I put in a lot of my heart, everything I've got into the things that I work on. But then when I have fun, I have fun. I enjoy myself. I take that time for myself. And it's important to do so because you always need to keep your eye on the reward. But what a lot of times happens, and, and I know both of you are the same way, similar minded in that way, is that a lot of people misunderstand what we do. And I'm sure you've encountered that many times. I've encountered it myself. So the perception, the dogma is, is that this guy doesn't know how to have fun. This guy is always working. But a lot of the times it's also what you see and you don't see because I show a lot of the work that I do through the mediums that are there, social and everything else. Uh, but a lot of the work I do, I don't show. And it's the same with, you know, or having fun as well. Definitely. And I have fun in the work I do. That's the main thing That's is that huge. you have to keep yourself having fun in the work that you're doing too. Yeah, I realized because I was a very, what you would call a lazy person in high school and everything like that. Sure. And I didn't do much. I wasn't going really crazy. But then when I started to find photography and filmmaking, more the business side of things as well, I noticed I was working 12 hour days, no problem. I was like, why is this? I know I'm a lazy person, but it really came down to the balance of, um, not the balance, but finding something that I really enjoyed and like my fun also became my work and it was almost like a merge instead of like a work fun you know i completely agree and i wouldn't say that you were necessarily lazy right that yeah. i think it was that maybe you didn't find your niche yet 100%. that's all it is and yeah. once you do then time management comes into play then motivation comes into play i don't think you can ask someone to have everything sorted out if they don't love what they do yeah they have to love and be passionate about what they Correct. do so what was your uh what was your point that you were you ever like more on the lazy side like to play video games too much were you ever on that side and then you found that one thing that kind of got you pushing forward so my journey was that i didn't always start out obviously we don't the way that we do i didn't have the same ambitions or goals or motivation that i do now um i think my thing was growing up in my developing years uh i think the only people that believed in me the only people who didn't give up on me were my parents because it would have been very easy for them to do that. And the reason I say that is because in my developing years, I was very behind. So I couldn't speak until I was five years old. I joke that I make up for it now. <laughs> but I couldn't speak till I was five. And so that was a process. I was you know, behind in everything else. I would go to school and all the kids would hang up their backpack and then engage and play and participate, everything else. I would hang up my backpack and I would stand there the whole day. Just straight yeah so it was a lot of those things that breaking out of my shell learning how to communicate effectively and i think my parents in that way saved me i, I like to say they saved my life in that sense because every time that there was a downfall they picked me up they didn't hold back they invested more in me and so i wouldn't be here today i don't know where i would be without my parents and that was kind of what i went through is just not knowing how to properly communicate, not knowing what my motivation was. So, so you just go along the way. Right. So with you bringing up your parents, I mean, to me, I ask, what's your why? Because everyone has a why. And, and it's like, you won't be the way you are or where you're in five years or where, where you're in 10 years without your why. And you plan on leaving a legacy. And I see you leaving a legacy. But why? What is your, like, like who is your why and what is your why? My why is exactly what you said, leaving a lasting legacy. I think changing the world for the better, those are very important to me. And I think from a young age, reading about idols and role models, and, and I like to say mentors or, or people who have done great things in the world and have left behind their footprints in the sands of time and even beyond that. And I aspire to that because I think that when you do something like that, you're able to create a movement of people, a movement of ideas. And that's what makes me passionate. That's what I love. And I think it goes even beyond that. From a young age, I heard stories about my grandfather who um, isn't here with us. I wasn't able to you know, ever meet him. He passed before I was born. But through oral tradition, I heard stories about him and what his goals were for himself and his family and how he left a legacy in his community. Um, that's always driven me. Even though you don't know someone, you're inspired by their legacy. 
So it's all of those different things culminating together that leave me at my why. Yeah. And then also when you mentioned your mentors, and um, I know you had a huge influence, at least on social media, with I think Grant Cardone. Right. And you met him at, a, I think, assuming so, a 10x event? No. So it was my birthday, and I reached out, and I said that I want to meet you. And boom. <laughs> no way. <laughs> like, how, wait. Okay, so like through Instagram DM or something like that? So through different connections. So I told my dad about my ambition and I didn't yeah. think that anything was ever going to come of it. It was actually a surprise yeah. because I kind of put it out there in the universe that this is what I want to do. I want to meet Mr. 10X. I want to meet Mr. Grant Cardone. And my dad surprised me. He knew someone who knew someone who had a way in. And uh, I got to meet him on my birthday, my 17th birthday. My parents took me to Miami. We stayed over there. And then the next day we're on you know, the trip over to uh, Grant Cardone's office. And there we were. I, it, it surprised me, uh, but it was a great surprise. And I, I'll tell you that his energy and his motivation and everything that he does is incredible. Um, and when you meet him, you know, a lot of people perceive him to be arrogant and all of those things. When you meet him, he's completely down to earth and he's just an awesome uh, person and you can feel his energy. And I think one thing about him is his story is very inspiring and I've always been inspired by that and the things that he's done. One thing that's resonated with me about him is he's about taking massive actions, right? 10x actions. Correct. And for me, that's always helped me out is when I'm down, the thing that helps me, my cure is taking action. It's always been my thing. So that always resonated. So what was the biggest takeaway that you learned from meeting him? I think the biggest takeaway was when you go to his office, everybody is just surrounded by this infectious energy. And I think in that same respect, when you build out a team, you have to make sure that you have great people, of course, but you keep them motivated. You keep them excited because when you're there, you completely forget about work. You, you remember that it's about something bigger than that. So I think always aiming for something bigger than yourself and even someone like him as successful as he is to take time out of his day for a 17 year old kid, you know, who maybe can't provide him as much value then as something else he can be doing. I think taking the time to be there to mentor others, just like others have mentored you, you know, kind of being there for, for everyone. Definitely. It's a great trait to have. And it's very admirable that he did that. And I'm grateful that he took the time to do that for me. Wow. Yeah. So um, you say you do, you have nonprofits, you have businesses, you're doing some insane stuff. And first of all, I'm extremely proud of you. You're doing Thank some you. cool stuff and you're inspiration to a lot of people and you're going to be inspiration to many more. With that said, are you the type of person that kind of running guns it, figures it out on the way? Or do you like to be calculated steps and just know what you're doing? Both because opportunities don't come in a scheduled manner. So I like to schedule everything that I do. I think that's important for discipline because it allows you to fill up your calendar. It allows you to do more. It allows you to be more flexible, even though, you know, you think of flexibility and you think that you have as much time to use it as you can. But believe it or not, I found that you find flexibility in your day by actually scheduling everything out. So it's a little bit of a reverse mindset in that sense, at least for me. Wait, explain that a little more. Sure. So when you schedule out your day, you schedule everything that you have, your appointments, things that you have to do, you write down your goals, even though it seems like it's structured, it's rigid, I found it gives you more flexibility because it allows you to do more things that you really want to do. Mm. Because when you write something down and say that this is what I'm going to do at 9 a.m. today, I'm going to be on Sean and Darian's podcast and I'm going to, you know, be here oh, to talk okay, to them, then yeah. that opens things up, right? And, and it opens other things up. Then I say, okay, I have an 1130 and I have a one and I have a two. Planning out my day in advance, scheduling everything out, what that does is that it opens everything up. It gives me flexibility. It gives me energy. It keeps me motivated that, oh, tomorrow I'm looking forward to this. The next day I'm looking forward to that, right? What was your original question again? If you remember? No, I don't fully remember. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. I, oh, wait. Yeah, I remember. Oh, it, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it was really quick. Just like calculated versus uh, scheduling. Right. Yeah. So opportunities don't come in calculation. Yeah. Opportunities will come randomly. And I'm a big believer that you have to take advantage of opportunities because I think the more opportunities that you can take advantage of, you're in a better spot. Uh, passing on opportunities repeatedly is something that will hurt you and 
won't keep you at the cutting edge, won't keep you ahead. So that's something that's really important to me. So as much as yes, there has to be a level of calculation in the sense that you have to schedule everything out and put yourself in the best opportunities, the best place, the best position to gain those opportunities. Then see, if I wasn't as active on social media and I didn't let everybody know that these are the platforms I'm working on, if I wasn't working to grow my platforms, then Sean, you may not have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you might be a good fit for this to be here today. Correct. Right? So that right. opportunity came. It wasn't calculated, but it came, right? Because of the different things that I have done. 100%. Correct. Yeah. And then also when you speak about opportunities and you have so many of them, would you consider school to be a handicap or more of a help? Like, like again, you're going to get you... me in trouble. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> And I will, and I, and again, like last last podcast we um or or the podcast previous we had Max Fisher, and he explained how um A students work for C students, meaning that the people who didn't really try as hard in school to be the you know the followers, the top producers, the A students, the role models, they ended up working for the C students the majority of the time because the C students again were more creative, they're more outgoing, and and at most they just didn't really balance their whole life at school, rather other business opportunities and other ventures. So yep. uh, what my question to you at whole is that saying, is school more of an opportunity for you or more of a handicap in what you're doing right now? The simple answer is that it's an opportunity for me because of the way I'm using that tool. But I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by, by saying that I'm a big believer and a big advocate for education. That's the origins of the Cosm Legacy Foundation. That's how we started. It's through education and education projects are probably one of my favorite projects in doing in the nonprofit space. Big believer in education, don't have a lot of faith in the education system. They're two different things. So I want to preface by saying that the education system today needs to be fixed. So the thing that you said about the, you know, A students work for the C students. I've said that for a long time. And it's because of something that Robert Kiyosaki preaches. I don't know if you know about him. He's course, the guy who wrote Rich, yeah. Dad, Poor Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says that A students work for the C students and B students work for the government. That's where the saying comes from. So I love his philosophy. I love that train of thought because it's true. The education system today is outdated as it doesn't teach students to be equipped for what is needed. It teaches students to be employees and not employers because that original mission of the education system in the United States remains the same. It hasn't changed in so many hundreds of years. You have to have great employees. You can't just have everybody be an employer. I get that. That's the biggest criticism I get. But to have an employee that's great and who understands from an entrepreneurial perspective, from a business perspective, how things run, it's gold. It makes you more valuable. So even though we can't train everyone to be a business owner, we can train everyone to think like one. So all those different things, right? I'm a big advocate for financial literacy and money management in schools and teaching those in an out-of-the-box way. I'm a big uh, you know, advocate for public speaking and self-confidence courses in schools. Isosceles triangles in Mesopotamia are great to learn about, but it's not anything that's going to help students in the real world, right? So Correct. to put together an education system that's retooled, reimagined, that's rebuilt, um, I think it's important to have, and we don't have that right now. And so right alongside you, because we've had many conversations about this in the past, Correct. the education system does need to be fixed. But in saying all of that, we still have to not forget that education is important because self-educating, educating yourself is what's going to keep you ahead. Just because you don't believe in the education system, don't use that as an excuse to not keep yourself educated. Now, let me say that again. Just because you don't believe in the education system doesn't mean you shouldn't keep yourself educated. I say that because while 85% of billionaires have dropped out of university or college, they learn more than any one of us, right? They read more books. They keep their self ahead of the game. They learn more. They learn through experiences. Sean, I know you're having the best education in real estate, right? By hands-on experience yourself, the things that you're doing. So, you know, even though the education system doesn't intrigue me, I still read a hundred books a year because I want to learn more. I still do all the things that I do because I want to learn more. I still network with mentors and people who are ahead of me in my mind or doing things that I want to do because I want to educate myself. It's 
So that has to be there. That differential has to be there. Yeah, and then I, I mean, I think me and Darren, like our why is to educate people and especially like the young Gen Z people about money and how money matters and money does talk. And it's right. like it, it, and like this isn't like short term; it's long term. And I feel like everything we do now is to help us throughout you know processes of our life of starting off this and building a media company and then maybe doing public speaking and then going to that just like doing courses with kids and again right. building a building a foundation and exactly um, right. my question to you again is like what do you what steps are you taking to help kids nowadays be 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 aware and be key with their money so through the custom legacy foundation the origin started when i went to local schools and I went to their schools and I said, listen, I want to teach these kids about public speaking and self-confidence. That's what I want to do, especially in the lower income communities. And so they said, okay. Some of them said, yes, you know, we'll have you on. And one of the teachers even said, why don't you just teach all of my classes for the day? And so I built out of curriculum. And the moment I realized how special what we were doing was, was when I taught the curriculum and you know, I engaged with the students and everybody was excited. And then the kid in the back of the room, the quiet kid in the back of the room came up and gave this moving speech, emotional speech about their life and about the things that they've gone through. And in the end, everybody got up and gave them a big hug uh, because that's what self-confidence and public speaking education does is that it grabs people in a way it moves them in a way where they can articulate their ideas and their emotions and their opinions. When we talk about financial literacy and money management, which was your question, while we don't focus on that as heavily, I think they go hand in hand. I think when you can articulate your ideas, then it makes you more savvy in business and it makes you more savvy in all the things that you're going to do. Um, I think in terms of financial literacy, I mean, everything is out there. All the information is out there and you have to study the most successful companies the most successful brands, the most successful people, see what it is that they've done and they're doing, learn from their successes and their mistakes. And that's the best way to kind of go about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's where I definitely think I made a decent decision as far as all the decisions that I made. Um, even though I didn't do the best in school as far as grades wise, in high school, I was always reaching out to older people and mentors. And I got my three mentors now that have blessed me beyond I can ever imagine. Right. And it's really about that, just reaching out and just figuring out education through other avenues as well on top of the books. You exactly know? right. Yeah, that's some big stuff. And I always say with books, books are the best mentors. Yeah. Because right. they have everything about, they have everything you want and more. That's 30 years of knowledge crammed exactly. into like, what, three hours of reading sometimes? Exactly. Come on. Like, that's a no-brainer because I used to love podcasts, listen to podcasts all the time. When I found audiobooks, especially audiobooks, I drive a lot. Right. Dude, I was soaking in crazy knowledge. My entire mental has been shifting every week. And I'm like, this is this is awesome. I read a study uh, that said that about 25% of Americans haven't read a book in the last year. Mm. I would argue that that number is probably significantly less than 25%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's unfortunate. And what it is, it's complacency. Mm -hmm. And complacency is the biggest killer of businesses and organizations. And one of the things that we do through the Limitless Marketing Group is break companies out of that dogma. You know, can't be complacent. Uh, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And we work with companies and organizations. And one of the things that we do when they, we sign on, when they sign on with us as a client, is we tell them that, are you ready to get out of your comfort zone? And that's something that we talk about every morning in our meetings and our, with our team, is that how are we going to break this company out of their comfort zone today? And even though we can probably blow up a company in five days, sometimes we wait it out a little bit because that company's not ready. They need to make sure their teams are organized and their teams are ready to reimagine oh, the themselves. Have to be in place for the next level. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, to get on camera, to push the CEOs of these companies and tell them, hey, you have to be on camera, right? Uh, we're going to do a photo shoot. We're going to record you talking about the company. And they may not be comfortable doing that at first, but our job is to break them out of that. Right. So, because if a company is going to come, and I'll let you, yeah. if a company is going to come to us and say that this is what we've been doing, and we're hiring you as a marketing group to continue to do this for us, it's not going to do anything for them, right? It's the definition of ins insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We're not going to do it. We're going to build a strategy with them that's going to be ahead of the game, that's going to be out of the box. And when we go to our clients, we present them with really out-of-the-box ideas, ideas they haven't thought of before. 
But money follows attention and we're going to help them be on the cutting edge and to do things differently because that's the way the marketplace is. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I was going to say, because like my social media company, I do social media production for companies. Great. And the first thing I have to do is kind of train them how to talk in front of a camera, how to do certain things because everyone wants to stay in the little box. And even as a company owner, it's hard to be told that because they have their systems in place to have everything going. But um, I just want to know, like, like walk me through, like, how do you... Um, first engage with them and say, okay, this is how we're going to do. Do you make sure their systems are in place? Do you like go over how in depth do you go into the company as well? Like I have a few questions in that, obviously. But. Right, right. We can dig into that for sure. So start out, say we have a new client intake. We have a company that's interested in signing on with us. Then we'll have a consultation. And in that consultation, we will walk them through all the different steps and all the different services. And one of the things that's important is that we go through their communication and we go through what their business and their brand is what's the story behind it what's your mission what's your vision uh, all those things are important and the thing that's important that we tell them is that we want you to focus a hundred percent on the execution of your business because we believe that business owners in America are passionate about what they're doing entrepreneurs are passionate about what they're doing and they can deliver the best product to their consumer. So we're not going to touch that. We believe you can do that. We're going to operate on that premise, but we're going to work on your marketing completely full fledged because the economy today is both a global one and an information one. It's an information economy because information is traveling faster than ever before. It's a global economy because we're not just competing against the guy down the street. We're competing against the whole world. If an innovation happens that's faster and more efficient in India or China or anywhere else around the world, we're competing against them too. It's truly a global marketplace. And so consumers aren't looking for just the best product anymore or who can deliver the best customer experience. That's important. But they're also looking for what's at their fingertips, who can be at their fingertips and who can be accessible to them. And that's right. what we work on is saying that it's not just about that. It's about how can we make you accessible on social media and through marketing so that everybody knows who you are and you're easy to access. Do you do advertising on top of production? Yes. Yes. So it's full fledged. We work with them on social media marketing and management. We do their email marketing, search engine optimization, SEO. Uh, videography, photography, podcasting. Uh, we work on content marketing, personal branding. Personal branding is a big one too. Because we don't just say that your business needs to be marketed full-fledged. We say that the company's executives need to be active in their marketing as well of themselves because you're the representation of your business and your brand. So we not only say that our philosophy is not only that the business needs to be marketed well, it's that the people who run the business need to be marketed well too. Wow. Correct. So, and then with your foundation and also with your media, it's, I mean, I guess it's a huge process, but my question more is like, how do you create all the capital for all the endeavors that you, that, that you partake? Yeah, I think, uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of the things that you do, you know, it, it requires capital and money to make money. It's Correct. an important thing to, to have. Um, so do you have like annual investors or do your parents or is it all you or how does it like, how does it work? Yeah. So when a client signs on with us, uh, they're going to be making a payment directly, right? And that money is going to go towards mostly advertising and marketing for themselves. But a lot of that is also operational costs. So the cost to get our photography team, our videography team, our podcasting team, all of our different teams ready, a lot of that comes from that side of it. And again, we are a startup, so we still have a lot of room to grow, uh, but that's a lot about what it is, is that a lot of times people get held up on, we need an investor, or we need people, you know, a lot of times when you have more chefs in the kitchen, it hurts you more than it helps you. And that's one thing that I focus on a lot with my team is that that's what we need to be is that we, yes, we have a lot of chefs in the kitchen. We have a lot of people working on different areas, but let's optimize our time the best. So, and this is to everyone watching your podcast. If you're starting a business or you have a business, you don't need an investor necessarily right away. You don't need to go and get capital right away just to get capital because you feel that you need it right? See what you can do first. Test the market first. Okay. Like if I go on social media and I put out there that, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing and who wants to be a part of it. That's free media, right? People would pay millions of dollars for media to get advertised on 
CBS News, on Fox News, on CNN, on you know, MSNBC, whatever, right? Whatever media it is. But if you can get free media, then you don't need any capital to start out. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need capital to start out, but you can work on that. You can build that infrastructure as you go along. So do you still create like a profit margin or no? Is there, or is there no Absolutely. window? Okay, well then, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I was making sure. And then also, what is your role for investing back in the business? Do you have like a 50-50 rule, like a 60-40 or... How does that really work out? I believe you have to invest in the business, you know, as much as you can. Um, We manage marketing budgets. So when a company signs on with us, they're giving us, we tell them to give us their marketing budget to manage, not just we're going to spend, you know, this much on, on this side of it and this much on this service. No, it's you sign on with us, you're getting the full fledged experience and we take on their marketing budget. We tell them to put in as much as they can because it's an investment in yourself and in your business. When you invest with us, you're really investing in yourself, right? So when we, people say that, oh, you know, it costs way too much. Like, no, it doesn't because that's what you need to be spending on your marketing to be ahead. And that's what will get you even more results. That'll get you more consumers. That'll bring you even more money and attention at the end of the day. So that's what we kind of tell them is that make the investment in yourself. And through that, we use that to invest in our teams and all the different operations that go into making that business successful. And through that, we take a cut to make sure that we're keeping our business successful as well. So you have amazing systems, it sounds like, especially for your your nonprofits and your businesses on top of that. Um, How do you manage? Are they all subcontractors? Do you have any employees? How does that work? So we have uh, different teams that work with us. We have a photography team. So when we have our photo shoots, we have that team. We have a videography team. We have coaches. So we talked about this earlier about getting these companies out of their comfort zones. When we have a CEO or a COO or an executive that goes in and says that, okay, we're going to work with you and put together a video for content. We tell them that you, you're going to be doing this, but we also have our coaches that are going to help you with posture. They're going to help you with your vocals, right? All those different things. So we have those coaches. Then we have our podcasting team in our studio. Then we have our team that works on content and social media marketing and management, right? So we have different teams in place that do that, different employees who work on those different things. And that's kind of how we grow the business. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is majority of it local or do you outsource to like say Fiverr? You don't have to say Fiverr, but like other platforms as well. How do you go about outsourcing? in terms of your teams and your outsourcing? So say for content design, would you outsource that to another editor overseas or something like that? Or do you have a local team or are they in an office? Most of it is, is all local. Everybody is mostly here, oh, wow. but I always say that we're, we're local, but we're thinking global. So if we need a team to go to a different state or a different city or even a different country and, and work with them, then we're, we're ready. We're, we're good to go. You know what I mean? So we're here, we're local, we're present. But our teams are always ready to outreach even bigger and wider and wider and farther than we've ever done before. What was your process of finding the people? I think when you find people, you have to find great people because great people make a great business. And so I think through all the different organizations I've been a part of, the different nonprofits, the businesses that I've seen, even though Limitless Marketing Group is a startup, I've been doing digital marketing for years. And so this isn't anything new to me. I've been working with businesses and nonprofits in this space for a long time. Now, it's just until recently that I decided that, hey, let's go full fledged. Let's maximize on my potential so that we can maximize on the potential of the businesses that we work with. So it's all all through those different connections. Okay, that's amazing. Dude, you're really doing it. Yeah. And then so with that being said, what are your at least at least to the audiences and people listening, what are your three steps to helping market yourself and brand yourself and really develop oneself on a a media platform? You have to be out there. You have to be willing to do something that's different. Uh, If you're going to go on social and say that I'm just going to do something the same way that it's been done, it's not going to work. Uh, People love uh, you have to love the attention and you have to you have to garner that attention towards yourself. Um, because it goes back to this idea that when you put yourself out there, you're getting out of your comfort zone, but you have to do it in a way where you're going to completely, you know, excite people. You're going to get people's attention. You're going to do something that's out of the box. So I'm always looking for ways to do that, to be out of the box, to, you know, have different ways of communicating with people on social media. 
I think social media is key. Uh, a lot of people uh, have told me that you're too much on social media. You should scale back a bit, right? People have told me that that's one of the criticisms that is out there. And you're going to get criticism. If no one hates what you're doing, nobody knows what you're doing. So that's uh, that's uh, fair, right? That's what, <laughs> I like I'm, that one. Never, <laughs> I, I never heard that one before. Yeah, so, I'm sure that you've encountered that too, yeah. right? If nobody hates what you're doing, no one knows what you're doing. So if 50% of the country hates what you're doing, then you can be president of the United States, ah, <laughs> right? So you can't worry about what other people are going to think. Sheesh, that's, that's good. That's the main thing on social. That's the main thing in the marketing game. You can't worry about that. And the more and more that you distance yourself away from what other people think, the more successful you're going to be. Because you're going to surround yourself by people who think the same way. And you're going to surround yourself by people who are doing things bigger than you so that you can keep expanding your circles and getting bigger and bigger yourself. So the biggest thing in my marketing process is, is this going to make somebody think that this is crazy mm. or think that this is too much? Mm. If that's what they think, then it's probably a good idea. Wow. Wow. Dang. So it's like, it's basically getting to like the boiling point and then you crack them. Exactly. I love it. So let's break down now. What, what's your financial strategy as far as how much do you save? How much do you reinvest? Do you do percentages? There's like, I would just like, you can dive into your personal finances as well. I'd like to know about that. Sure. So we look at how much money's coming in every month. And based on the different clients that we have, they're going to pay a certain amount of money every month for our services. And we're going to look at how is it that we can use those funds to best, what percentage of that can we use to best optimize their business? What percentage of that do we need to give to pay our team so they can work on those businesses? And then what percentage of that are we going to use to reinvest in the business ourselves? Right. So that's kind of how we look at it. Percentages is a great way to go. Um, but the biggest thing is every meeting that we have every morning, we always look at the financials and we have to make sure that everybody knows the numbers. Uh, you say that, you know, money talks for itself. It really does because we say that you got to look at, at that. But the biggest thing that we look at is goals. So as much as we look at the financials and how much everything costs, we look at how much money do we need to make this month so that we reach our end goal? How many clients do we need to sign on so that we have this much money to go? And I mean, if you reach out to, um, if your goal is say to get, you know, five or 10 clients, you, know, you reach out to 500 people, you're going to get one person at least to say yes. So it's all about strength and numbers and volume. Got it. Right? Yeah. So that's the biggest thing for us. So you, you, that's what, that's, you have a big abundance mindset then. Like you just keep pushing forward. You that's the mindset. About, so oh, it's a numbers stash. game. Yeah. 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 It's a numbers game. Exactly. Every day it's a numbers game. Every single day. Do you look into investing at all? Absolutely. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. So, I mean, again, since, I mean, you met all these, all, all these great successful people, I think what they all have in the same characteristic is they're all invested into real estate. And that is just the foundation to wealth in America. And with that being said, I mean, how are, how are you going to try to fit your way into that wealth category with by, real estate? By going to my real estate friend mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, what opportunities do you have for me? Correct. But again, is it, is it more of a goal of like a property a year or is it maybe, um, maybe a couple of duplexes or like, like a triplex or maybe a condo unit, like, where do you see yourself real estate investing long-term? Go big or go bigger. I think in real estate, the big thing is that people wait to invest in real estate, but nobody invests in real estate and waits. That's what you have mm -hmm. to do. And that's part of it. Thinking big is part of it. I think when you go into real estate, the great thing about it is that if you think small, it's not going to work. You have to think big. The way this economy is today is that if you're not thinking big, if you're not thinking ahead, because again, of how fast it is and how global it is, two things can happen. Either you're going to get really rapid success because of the way it is, or you're going to have a really rapid decline and you have to choose what end of the spectrum you're going to be on. It's a choice. It's a choice of what you're going to do. I think when you look at an investment, you have to think about it from who are the people involved? What's the opportunity, right? Am I going to get my ROI? When am I going to get my ROI? What is the ROI going to be? Is it really worth it? All those different factors are important to put into perspective. And then also, I think always looking at the trends that are ahead. One of the, I'll give you an example. One person had approached me for an investment into artificial intelligence, AI. AI is the future. It is. 
But I wouldn't make an investment in AI today. Why? Because there are so many people who are in the AI space and artificial intelligence. And I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win the artificial intelligence game. I just don't know. And at some point or another, people are going to consolidate. People are going to start working together. People are going to merge. People are going to fall apart, unfortunately, too. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But someone's going to win that space. But if I say, okay, I'm going to back this horse and that it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Yeah. What I love about real estate is that it's a hard asset. And we talked about this earlier before the show is stocks, cryptocurrency. They're all great, right, to play around with and to kind of have fun with. But hard assets, tangible assets, something I can see, something I can touch like real estate is great. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to grow. I'm always looking for opportunities to invest. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is by making networks and connections with people like yourself and people like yourself, because if I'm going to put myself out there, right on social media, if I'm going to put myself out there, my brand, if I'm going to grow my brand, then a lot of the times the opportunities will come to me too. Because when my friend Sean is looking into making his first real estate investment on his own, he may say, okay, I know this guy, Sinan, who I went to middle school with, and he may be interested in going in with me. And, you know, I may say, yeah, let's go. Right. right. So or there may be another opportunity or, you know, my, my friend Darian, who met me at a community meeting years ago, uh, may say that, hey, I remember this guy, Sinan. He was a little yeah. bit out there. He's a little bit quirky. I remember him. He, he put a distinct picture in my mind of who this guy is. And I thought he was interesting. Why don't I get coffee with him on Monday and talk about the different things I'm working on? Maybe he'll invest in me. Maybe we can work together and start something together, right? So I think every time that you're part of a platform, you have to be different and you have to put yourself out there and be a little bit on edge, be a little bit out of the box so that people remember you. Yeah. Because when those opportunities come, they'll say that, oh, that's the marketing guy. Oh, that's the nonprofit guy, right? That's the real estate guy. That's the photography guy. Anytime we're doing anything relating to that, we're going to think of them. They're yeah. the number one person we're going to think of. Yeah, I think like the first time I met you, it taught me so much in that few seconds that we talked. Oh. I was like, <laughs> it's crazy because you know who you, you know what you want to do. You're an ambitious dude. And it was like, yo, get your shit together. Like, come on. And uh, even seeing how much you've grown now. And it's so like inspiring to see like, dude, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, it, it's awesome. bro. <laughs> and like, I love seeing that growth from anyone, but especially you and like the way you're always going out there. You don't care if they like you or not. You're just going to be yourself. Right. Dude, that's some huge stuff. And you the fact that you figured it out at the age that you did, I expect you to be a billionaire. Like it's not, <laughs> it, it, it would be, an, it would be only hope. underwhelming only if you didn't be, a, if you weren't a billionaire, like that's like almost like where you belong at this point because you're just pushing so hard you're doing all these different things and it's it's almost inevitable like if you just keep trying you're not going to give up you don't have that in you oh that's that's really kind of you i appreciate you thinking of me like that dude it's crazy i, I appreciate it I, what i will tell you is that and there's a, there's a fine line when i say this because you know the reason why when i introduce myself when you ask me you know introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself i didn't start with the business i started with the nonprofit. That was the first thing I said. I said, I'm yeah. the founder of a global nonprofit. I didn't say that I'm the founder of a full-fledged marketing agency. And the yeah. reason why the nonprofit comes first is because I think that when we're in the pursuit of making money, making capital, it's not to serve ourselves, it's to serve others. And I think that the more that you can build, the more that you can grow your business, the more that you can make that. Like if my goal was to be at the level that you're talking about one day, right? Say that you and I and all three of us wanted to reach that mark, a billion dollar mark, or even let's say a million dollar mark. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm going to use that to be greedy and say that, oh, look what I did. It's to create jobs. It's to create opportunities. It's to give back. It's to grow my nonprofit. It's to serve our communities. So even going into this business, it was a very natural progression for me. Uh, one of the feedback that I got was that this is a little bit unusual. You know, this isn't something that, but it's not because if you're going to do all the things that, you know, we want to do to serve our communities and serve our society, then we have to make sure that we're making money to do that and have something to back it up Correct. because that will fuel the other things that we're doing. So the real ambition, the real purpose is to serve others and to go to the vulnerable populations that I've seen around the world in Kenya, for example, and, you know, other places around the world that I've been to and, and seen the things that have happened, or even here in the United States, it's to make money, but to use that to help others. That's the main purpose. 
And also, I mean, I think that's one thing that last podcast we had Sean and Zach, two realtors, really emphasize and talk about is like the the avenue of helping people and the avenue of giving back and how they both lead to the same road. Right. So it's like, especially what you're doing right now, I mean, again, what you do is what you love and what you love is what you make money of. Yep. So I think that's what, again, like you're just kind of going back on what like the last two people said about how if you do what you love, regardless of the fact you're going to make money because it's more of like a mutualism system of if I help you, I get something back. It goes back to like like the first human interaction of I give you this stick, you give me this rock. So exactly. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's basically just like the foundation of everything. You're right. And I feel like that's something that you work, that, that you not work well, but you excel at, you excel at understanding human communication. You excel at understanding like the level of just communication that it takes and, 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 and kind of breaking that wall. And uh, again, like that's something that I respect and I admire from you. And, um, thank you, sir. <laughs> and, and, to everyone listening and everyone watching, if this man doesn't motivate you to read a dictionary tonight, like, <laughs> what, what is this podcast for? I appreciate that. Yeah. You're, you're too kind. That's funny. What I'll tell you is we talk about love. We talk about passion. But now I'm going to go an extra step for you and your viewers. Yes, doing what you love is important. Doing what you're passionate about is important. But there's a misconception. The misconception is that there's this new movement that says that you can work four to five hours a week and be successful and be happy and do what you love. No way. No way. I'm sorry. It's just not, it's just not the way it's going to work because if you're going to spend four or five hours and say, I think what's happened is people have learned to optimize their time really well and say in four to five hours, obtain some success material or whatever else. But imagine if you multiplied that so many times and maximize the whole day like that. Oh, yeah. Right. So. I get the sentiment of the four to five hours thing, but if say in our industry, someone said, oh, I'm going to work four to five hours a week or say the entire industry said, we're going to work four to five hours a week. We're not going to send emails after work. We're going to, you know, just focus on uh, other things and, and not put all of our commitment into what we're doing. Then people like you and I would work a hundred hours a week and we would outpace the competition because that's just the way that you have to be. Um, so I love the idea of doing what you love, doing what you're passionate about, but you have to also do whatever it takes. You have to do whatever it takes to build the life for you, yourself, your family, your community that you deserve. You have to go out there and get it. And I think the perception that doing what you love means scaling back on that is wrong. And it goes back to this idea of you're not balancing everything. You've got to dominate in every single area. You have to dominate in, you know, your home life and in being a, you know, making a happy family and, being with your you know, family and your friends and all those things, but you have to have to dominate the other end of it too. So it goes both ways. And I'll also say that in goals, you know, life is so short. I think if COVID-19 taught us anything, it's the sanctity of life. And one measurable for me is I don't look at just my goals for this year and say, how am I going to accomplish this? I look at what do I want to accomplish five years down the line? What do I want to accomplish 10 years down the line? How can I move that to today? If I wanted to take what I want to do five to 10 years down the line and make it happen today, how do we do that? That's what I ask myself every day. And I think that is a great way to look at it because if you're going to say that this is who I want to be, why not be that today? Oh my gosh, that's huge. And I was just reading a book called Your Next Five Moves. Patrick Beck David, did you read that? Great it's book. Oh, so good. But the biggest thing that you said that really stuck out to me was... Uh, I think he was talking about IBM or some big company. And they said, if we don't start even acting like the big competitor today, you will never be close. Cause they're, they're already and same thing with the billionaires. They're already right. reading their hundred books, 200 books a year. They're going crazy. And we, who are we to just be like, I will only read like one book every three months. And that let me uh, kind of slack off and be complacent. Like we don't have that opportunity, right. because especially how I think it was like, I was born in 2002. There has been people generations before me that have been learning things be, um, way beyond what I can even comprehend. Right. I don't even know what I don't know yet. So for me to say, oh, I only want to work like four hours, five hours a day, that's almost disrespectful to society to <laughs> exactly. say like, there's so much that we don't even know. And we, there's only, life is so short, but we can make it long if we want to. That's what I always like to say. Right. And we just don't, we don't have that luxury. That's a huge luxury to say, I only want to work this much. Like even the, if the billionaires aren't doing that, then who are we, you know? 
And, and it's not only that, it's also disrespectful to your potential because you have so much potential mm -hmm. in what you can be doing. Mm -hmm. um, even today, you know, I look at it and I say that, okay, I'm doing all of these things, but I could be doing so much more. Oh, yeah. Because I look at people, even like you, and I say that, you know, you're doing so much. And I look at others and I say they're doing so much. So how can I always be ahead? And as much as we should give ourselves a pat on the back and say that we've done a great job, we always have to look ahead because there's always a place to go. Um, and the way to measure that is, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that saying that you're the average of the five or 10 people that you surround yourself with. Definitely. Those people should be more successful in the, and it doesn't have to be money wise. It can just be in things that you admire and you aspire to be like, they're more successful in those areas that I want to be as successful in. And how do we keep growing together? And how do I keep expanding that network so that once I reach that goal, now I need to reach a different group and I need to think even bigger than that. And you said a really key point too, is like not even just money, but like any aspect of life that you want to exactly. be like, because there's people who can communicate really well. They may not be huge in business, not even financials, but, or they're better with their relationships or they're married or something like that. Right. There's always that one trait that, because the thing about people, everyone's imperfect and that's a, that's a given. There's no right. perfect person. So you're not going to have the perfect mentor. You're not have the perfect person to be around, but everyone has nuggets. Everyone has golden nuggets that they'll drop on you. And they don't have to be a millionaire. They don't even, they can be, you can draw, you can get nuggets from the poorest person in the world. Like say, don't do that. That's even a nugget. Um, so I think, yeah, it's really important to diverse, diversify your circle and really make sure that it's not just one type of person. Too. And if you've got someone in your circle who is like that, who's not big in business, but is great at something else and you want to be great at that, but you can go to them and say, Hey, let's work together. Right. Oh, yeah. And let's, let's build together. And that's where proper teams come into place is exactly, where, you know, it's awesome. So kind of just to finalize things, I just want to know where you see yourself in a year, where you see yourself in five years, and where you see yourself long-term, 10, 20 years down, like down the road. Right. So, I mean, if you could kind of walk us through that, that'll be amazing. Sure. So in, a, so in all those different goals, a year, five years, even down the line, I want to keep growing my nonprofit. I want to keep growing the projects that we have nationally and internationally. Um, I want to keep growing my business. I want to gain even more sources of passive income. That's super important. I think if you can have your money work for you instead of working for your money, it makes it even more impactful. Um, and keep serving the community and keep doing as much as I can to give back as much as possible. And I think that just amplifying those numbers, amplifying those metrics, that today it's here, how can we make that 10 times, 20 times, 100 times what it is in five years down the line, 10 years down the line, and even 25 years down the line, and as far as it can go. Awesome, man. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. You're awesome. And uh, would you like to like finalize any socials or where to reach you at? Dude, or... plug yourself. Yeah, Say everything please. you want. <laughs> go for it. Sure. So it's uh, at S-I-N-A-N-K-A-S-S-I-M, Sinan Kasim, on everything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you know, you name it, you know, look me up. You can Google search me. You can see my LinkedIn profile, connect with me there. I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I think LinkedIn is super, super important to connecting with businesses and connecting with uh, creating a community of business owners. So go ahead and, and reach out to me there. And I just want to thank you, Sean, you, Darian. Uh, you guys are rocking it. I love your platform. I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to see what we're going to do beyond this too. Uh, because I think there's a lot of potential for the partnership that we can have. Definitely. Um, and to all your viewers, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep working it. Keep reaching and keep uh, moving faster and better and smarter and stronger than you have before. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new opportunity. And let's get to work. Oh, Dude. man. It's Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you.